Amen. So last week we learned the church is a place where we can be encouraged and accountable. So we learned about encouraging one another, building one another up, and we learned about holding one another accountable. I gave you a bunch of, uh, for adults, I gave you a bunch of opportunities and different things that are going on here at the church. But like I said, there's small groups and stuff, meeting in people's homes and different things like that. But the places where you can connect with people, meet them, and be encouraged and also be accountable to what we have learned. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to close out the series with this. The church is a place where we can impact the next generation. So the question is, is why do we need to impact the next generation? Now, do you realize the church is one generation away from moving away from truth? Do you realize that? We're one generation. So if we lose the next generation, there's going to be trouble. If we lose the next generation, there's going to be trouble. So then we have to ask ourselves this. So why do we need to impact the next generation? Because we need to teach them the truth. So then the question is, is what is the truth? What is the truth? Pilate actually said that to Jesus. What is truth? Well, Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the truth is this. The truth starts kind of with us. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one receives eternal life unless it's through Jesus. Jesus is the truth. So when Jesus died to pay the price for our sins on the cross, then he rose from the grave to prove that he is God. The scriptures teach us this. All who believe in Jesus, who is the truth, will have eternal life. The truth sets us free. That's the truth of the scriptures. That's the truth of what Jesus has done. It's not by any works so that no one can boast, but it's through trusting that Jesus was willing to lay down his life to pay the price for our sins. And we should be so thankful that we know the truth, that we love the truth, but not only that, that the truth, Jesus, loves us. So here's the problem. When people don't believe the truth, or know the truth, they start believing other things, right? So what do they believe? Well, let me just tell you, if you're not believing in the truth, guess what you're believing in? Lies, okay? The, the, the truth is, when you don't believe in the truth, you're actually believing in lies. And this is tough, because here's what happens. Like, when we think of lie, we think of overt deception, right? That person lied to me. See, the sad part about this is, is many people believe lies and they don't know that they're believing lies. So they have good intentions. They have good intentions. They're maybe nice people, but they're spreading lies. They're spreading lies because they don't know the truth. It's not that necessarily that they're trying to be deceptive all, all the time, but sometimes they're just confused. They're just lost. They're just, like the scriptures say, blind. So we have a culture that is encouraging the next generation to believe lies under the guise of this. Each person has to find their own truth, right? So now when I tell people or when you tell people as a believer that Jesus is a the truth, they'll say things like, for you, that's your truth, but I have to find my truth. And that sounds like, oh, well, what do, you, what do you say back to that, right? You know what I mean? Well, the, the, the problem is, is they then start to cue, accuse believers of being narrow-minded, exclusive, 
or unloving because we say that there is truth. Remember that parable? The narrow and wide gate. Do you know that truth is narrow? So I've said this before and I'll say it again. If somebody says you're narrow-minded, you say thanks. Okay? I believe in the truth. It's a narrow way. So there's so many problems that we create in this world by not admitting and following the truth. I know that. You probably know that. But here's the question. Does the next generation know that? Do our children, do our young adults, do our children, do our do grandchildren, do they know this? Now, my intention today is not to tell you about all the lies that are out there. I mean, I could, I could string up a ton of lies and, be, and tell you, this is why that's a lie. This is why that's a lie. That's not my intention. My intention is to inspire you to pass down the truth to the next generation. It is the main way we're going to impact the next generation. We can easily focus in on negative and say, what's wrong with everything? But here's what I want us to do. What's right? with Jesus. What's right? Let's pass down this truth. Let's pass down this truth. So we're called as believers to pass down the truth to the next generation and help them interact with their peers about the truth in a compassionate, loving, and kind way. Let me say that again. We want to teach them how to interact with their peers about the truth in a compassionate, loving, and kind way. Here's what's going to happen. When I teach you this stuff, when you learn this stuff, not only are you going to be inspired to go help them, but you might learn how to interact with your generation in a compassionate, loving, and kind way. One of the things that is grieving to me and upsetting to me is when I see Christians not being compassionate, not being kind, and not being loving towards people who are lost. I've said this, I know I've used this illustration before. If you were walking through the mall and you saw a little kid crying and you said to the little kid, what's wrong, little kid? I, I'm lost. I can't find my mommy. Would you be like, you dumb kid. I can't believe you got yourself lost. Would you treat that kid like that? If you do, do I hope the security guard escorts you out of the mall. Because here's the thing. You would go up to that child and you would have compassion on them. Let's bring you to the authority so you can find your parents. Let's help you find your way. Let's find out where your mommy or daddy are. That's the way you would treat them. But here, we as Christians, sometimes when we know unbelievers that are lost, and, you know, they might be spewing lies or they might believe something else, we argue with them. We argue with them. Maybe even we mock them. But that's not the way it should be. We should be loving, compassionate, and kind so that they understand who Jesus is. So the first way, how do we do this? The first way we pass down the truth is this. We teach them. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Proverbs are truisms. They're great. If, you, if you're interested in reading some really good practical scriptures, the Proverbs are those. But it says, train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of you are like, I trained my kid up, but they seem to be kind of going the wrong way. What the truism here is this. You set the foundation, right? You set the foundation. You have no control over their heart. Their heart is between them and the Lord. You set the foundation. You did what's right. Know that God's word is embedded in them. And you know what? At some point, they might return or they might wake up. So parenting can be scary, right? Some new parents 
are terrified. What if I do this wrong? What if I expose my kids to something that they shouldn't be exposed? My kid can't eat this. My kid shouldn't eat this. Do we fertilize the lawn? Should my kid lay on the lawn? I mean, you've heard it. Some of you grandparents here, you're dealing with your adult children, and they're like freaking out about this stuff, right? They're freaking out about all these different things. Should we vaccinate? Should we send them to public school? Should we send them to Christian school? Should we send them to homeschool? Are they getting enough sleep? Are they on the best travel team so they can be the best player on another team? And maybe someday they could be professional and take care of me for the rest of their lives, right? Do they get good grades? We worry about all these different things. Like the new age of parents maybe are not that different than you all were when you were parenting your little ones, right? But here's the thing. It can be scary because there's so much. There's so much out there, right? And now more than ever, everybody's an expert, right? It used to be somebody had to be a published author to write something that people would read. Now people are like, this is what you're supposed to do, right? And they put it out there. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I read on the internet that if you only eat eggs for the rest of your life, you're going to be in the best shape ever, right? I mean, you'll hear everything. So now parents don't know who to trust because they have these little lives. My, my, my oldest son will be 21 this coming Friday, right? I can still remember, and some of you can remember this too, when the doctor put your first child into your hands, right? It was a blessing, and it was terrifying, right? Oh, no, I got to take care of this kid. Everything that happens to this kid is kind of on me. That's your first thought. But then as a believer, you start to realize, this is God's kid, right? This is God's creation. He entrusted me. So parents, let me remind you of something. The spiritual lives of your children is the most important of all the things with your child. The spiritual foundations need to be set at home. Now, I know in this service, we probably have more grandparents than parents, but here's the thing. You, as a grandparent, if you're a grandparent, you actually can impact your grandchildren. You can impact your grandchildren. See, here's what Psalm 78 says. We teach them, like God commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children, yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Here's the thing. The reason why I say we're one generation of turning away from truth, if we don't teach the next generation, how are they going to know what the scriptures say? How are they going to know that we love God? How are they going to know what God has done for us? How are they going to know this if we just drop the ball? If we just drop the ball. So we need to teach our children. We can't expect them to know about the Lord, his character, his will, his commands, or really anything about him unless we teach them. Now, do you realize kids want to know? Do you realize that? They're curious. The reason why is God embedded that curiosity into our hearts. In Ecclesiastes 3, it tells us that God put eternity in our hearts. Romans 1 tells us people know that there's a God because of the creation of the world. So little children ask questions, right? They ask questions. Why is this? Why is that? Actually, I, I, I might have even shared this some years ago, but I had a kind of a, a little Facebook, Facebook inbox conversation with somebody that I knew from high school, that I knew through surfing, and I knew his parents 
were solid Christians. He has since walked, turned his back, walked away from the Lord. He posted some stuff that was very antagonistic towards the gospel. So I didn't comment on it. I went to the inbox and said, hey, what's going on with that? Like, you know, what drew you to say things like this? And, you know, and, and, you know he kind of unloaded a couple of things on me. And, um, but he said, uh, he said something about his kids. And I said, well, what do you teach your kids? And he said, unfortunately, the topic of God comes up more than I'm comfortable with. And I was like, huh. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's embedded. The kids want to know. You grandparents out there, when you're with your little grandchild, you know they want to know. They're asking grandma, granddad, like what? You know, they, they're, it's embedded in them. So they're so curious. So the job of the parent is to have those things settled in our own hearts and minds so that we can teach them to our children. Well, how does this look for parents at home? Well, you got to start right away. Bible stories. There's plenty of little Bible stories that you can, like, you don't have to read it straight from the Bible. You can get Bible story books, like the Jesus Storybook Bible, starting when they're very little. They can barely even talk, and you're reading stories with them. As they get older, you move to more moral-type commands and concepts at, you know, at devotion time, at, before they go to bed. As a parent, then they move into the teenage years, right? And, and this is what we've been all through. My, my family has been all through this. As a parent, we move into the teenage years. We encourage them to read devotions on their own. Buy a teen devotional book for them. Um, look and for the suggested teen devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app and things like that. Helping them. Because the foundation's set at home, right? The foundation's set at home. People ask me questions all the time. All the time. Pastor Mike, should I send my kid to homeschool? Should, or should I keep my kid home and do homeschool? Should I do Christian school? Should I do public school? I say, you know what? You got to pray about it. But here's the thing. Here's what you need to know as a parent, right? Set the foundation at home. Whatever you decide to do, the foundation is set with you and your spouse and your children. Not only devotion times, as we teach them, we teach them now in day-to-day -day life, right? Everything's an opportunity to teach how they treat others, what media they take in, what they hear and learn at school. Constant interaction with what God teaches and what God's perspective is. That's why Deuteronomy, and this is not a new concept, right? So in Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What this passage is telling us, this is all day, every day. The, the spiritual foundation of your kids should be happening all the time. Your faith is your life. So for you grandparents, you aunts and uncles, they should see this. They should see you living out your faith, which brings us to the next way that we um, pass down truth, and that's model it for them. The way that we live will speak volumes to your children. You can turn it on at church, can't you? You can turn it on at church. You can turn it on in public. You can turn it on around other believers, but your kids know who you are right? Your kids know who you are. Most of you parents realize that when you see something negative in your kids, it may remind you where they picked it up. And some of you are like, yep, my spouse. That's where they picked it up. 
But those of you that are a bit more humble might admit, yup, that was me. I know where my kid got that from. That was me. The reason why I can't stand it so much is because I'm struggling with this. As adults, we see things that remind us of our parents, right? As adults, I mean, I, I think it was maybe in my mid-30s, I started to see that. I'm like, oh, I'm becoming my parents. I'm saying, like, I'm saying things. I'm like, holy cow. Did my mom just say that? Did my dad just say No, that was me. It came out of my mouth. And it's sad to say that many times those things that come out of our mouths from our parents are the negatives, right? So things will come out of our mouths, and we think, like, oh, man, where did I get that? Well, guess what? You are setting the foundation for the next generation. So what we say and do programs our children and grandchildren. The scriptures say this. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. A model of good works. In other words, live out what you believe. Live the truth, your day-to-day -day life, and it will impact the next generation, your children, your grandchildren. Not only will it impact them, it will actually impact your spouse and all the people around you. Everybody that has interaction with you will be impacted by your good works. Some of you young people here may be thinking, well, I have no kids. I have no kids yet. I don't have to worry about that. Well, guess what? And all of you parents and grandparents have, have had this, right? Guess what? Someday you will have children, and they ask questions when they get older. Mom, Dad, did you ever do this? Did you ever go there? Did you ever take part in this sinful activity, right? Do you want to keep sin on sin and lie about it? Or would you rather just be a good example, even from the time before you had kids, so that when your future kids ask you those questions, be like, nope, you know what? It was a temptation, but... I leaned on the Lord, and the Lord delivered me through that. Do you want to be honest with them, or do you want to be dishonest with them? The next way we pass tr down truth is this, listening to them. <clears throat> now, this is tough, okay? This is tough. Generation gaps get wider when we start to say things like, back when I was growing up, we just fill in the blank, right? Have you said this? I think some of you have, okay? Based upon the age range in this service, many of you said, back when I was growing up, we just fill in the blank. Or the world has gone crazy. Or I don't understand this generation. Well, if you don't understand, you need to listen to them so that you can. I can assure you of this. This generation of young people is not much different than your generation was when you were their age. Let me tell you, and, and some of you are like, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 okay, I'm, I'm just gonna prove this to you. Do you know what the difference is? Now, you are older and you are wiser, so the things that you say and do now are different than what you did when you were 15, 16, 17, 18. And if they're not, we do have other problems that we have to talk about, okay? <laughs> so here's the thing. Now, you're having a hard time remembering that you, too, were once a teenager. I remember when I was in youth ministry, one of the youth pastors, this guy, Wayne Rice, he wrote like a lot of books. He actually said this. He would put up a picture of himself 
in eighth grade on his bulletin board in his office. So every time he walked into his office, he remembers that eighth grade kid, what I was thinking, how I felt about myself, what it was like to go to school, how I felt insecure, how I felt superior sometimes, all these different things, so that he was able to minister to those middle school kids that God had placed him in charge of. We forget, right? We forget. We forget. Do you know how I know this? The generation ahead of you said the same types of things that you are saying now. They said that about your generation. They said that about your generation. So let me ask you this. Do you remember? Do you remember this? And this is digging back into the, the annals of history, right? Do you remember the first time that you felt your parents were treating you like an adult? Do you remember that? Do you remember the first time you're like, okay, my dad and my mom, they, they see me as an adult. It was probably somewhere around the time that they started to listen to what you had to say. Maybe it was the first time you helped them with something they didn't understand. You remember that? Your dad or mom, I don't understand this. I don't understand. Can you help me, son? Or can you help me, daughter? Maybe it was when you decided to move out. You moved out for the first time. And, or maybe it was when you left for college. Whenever it was, you remember your parent treating you like an adult. Did it feel good? Of course it did. Because now they were looking at you, not just as a, a little child, but they were looking at you as an adult, almost a peer in some sense. They started listening to you because they realized they had to if they wanted to be in your life. They started realizing, like, this person, my child, who is now my adult child, has something to say, has something to offer, has something to bring to the table. If you want to have an impact on the next generation and pass down truth to them, you need to listen to them so that you know what they're dealing with. You don't want to wait until they become an adult and move out. You want to listen to them when you have opportunities to speak into their lives. James says it this way. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's what happens between generations when we do not apply this. We fail to hear what they're saying, what their needs are, what they're dealing with. We talk too much. We don't let them talk. And then we get angry when they don't seem to want to hear what we have to say. Now, part of the problem is what we're saying is based on our experiences back in our day and not taking into account the experiences that they are having today and the world and the culture that they're dealing with. Think about this. Many of the things, think about this for a second, many of the things that are accepted now by our culture would not have been accepted even by a non-believing culture 25 years ago. Think about that for a second. So, Honestly, Christians 25 years ago, we didn't have to deal with this. When I was a Christian 25 years ago, as a young adult, there were things going on in this world that I did not have to deal with at all. I didn't have to search the scriptures about because they weren't issues. But now these kids, these young adults, they have to deal with these issues. Our kids and teenagers have to deal with different issues. And if we don't listen to them, we're not going to know how to help them, how to help deal with them in a biblical manner. 
We're not going to know if we don't listen. But when we listen to them, we have opportunities to help them sift through and deal with those things. You know, sometimes we look at this world and you're like, oh, man, how, it's never going to get better. Things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And how do you deal with this stuff? I t- I'll tell you how you deal with it. Go to the scriptures. Develop a biblical worldview. Help the next generation. Sin is sin. People are going to always commit sin. But the, the goal of the Christian is to be equipped to deal with the culture that is going the wrong way, to deal with the temptations that might come our way. And guess what? When we listen to what they're saying, to what those young people, those teenagers and kids and young adults are saying, guess what? We start to learn how to deal with what they're dealing with and how to help them deal with those things. But you know what? So many times we just we don't want to listen. Eh. Yeah, it's a pain in the neck. Back in my day, life was easier. We, you know, we make all these excuses, we turn it off, and guess what? If you don't listen, they're going to find somebody who will. And I don't know about you, but for my kids and my family, I want them to always feel welcome to come to us no matter what, right? No matter what. I don't want them to ever fear coming to their mom and dad and asking us questions or telling us about things that are going on in their lives. Now, this is setting that foundation at home. So whether you're a parent, grandparent, you know, you're setting these foundations. If you're awaiting children one day, you know, these are things you have to settle in your mind and in your heart so that when you have kids and literally hit the ground running, because guess what? Life gets a little more hectic, I'll say, when you introduce other people into your family, okay? So you want to have these things settled. But now, as a church, because this whole series was about the church, the church is a place where we, right, can impact the next generation, we offer programs. And these programs underline the foundations of the home. Now, first and foremost, when we design these programs, we want to underline the foundations of the Christian parent. But we realize that we've been set in such a place here at our church, and we have a rich history of really reaching out to the community. Some of you are here because you had a child that came to the youth ministry, became a Christian, and then they said, hey, mom and dad, I found Jesus. And you're like, let me go to that church and check that place out. And then all of a sudden, Jesus found you too. And you're like, oh, man, through the kid, right? Through the kid. So we've been set in such a place where not only can we underline the foundation set at home, but we can also impact the unbelieving world through the children and the teenagers of our community. So here are some of the programs. Sunday school, pre-K through eighth grade during the 10.30 a.m. worship. Kids Club, Wednesdays starting September 28th from 6.30 to 7.30. They do it semester-based, fall semester is September 28th to November 9th. Vacation Bible School obviously is in the summer. So this is, you know, for children in those age ranges. For teenagers, the youth ministry, starting Tuesday nights, um, the 13th, they're going back to normal time. They have the mill pond group, which is fifth and sixth grade. That's something that we, <laughs> we added some years ago that we felt that the fifth and sixth, and some of you, if you have grandkids or kids in this age group, they're like the new teenagers. They used to call them tweens, right? But they're like the new teenagers. These kids are exposed to so much. I mean, the creation of the cell phone and everything that comes along with it has exposed these kids to things so 
early. And sad to say, I mean, we were pretty much the dinosaurs of our friend group in a sense, because I think our boys got cell phones when they were in eighth grade and our daughter got one in seventh grade. And, you know, our kids were like, please, can we get one? Everybody else has one. And, you know, I didn't say, we don't care. But, <laughs> but that's what I thought. <laughs> because I knew that once those kids got those phones in their hands, it was going to be a battle. It was going to be a battle. And some of you realize this. You spend time with your grandkids or your kids and stuff. You're like, the kid's always looking at the phone. It's like, of course they are. You gave them a TV to put in their hand. And they can, and they can watch anything they want on demand. I can still remember going on family trips. Remember that, going on family trips, sitting in the back seat? I would like be like, if we could just have a TV in the back of the car, and we'd watch like the Jetsons, and I was like, that's what living's all about, right? You can do FaceTime, you can do all this stuff. Well, they're living that, right? They're living that. So here's the thing. We decided to create this fifth and sixth grade group. Ryan runs this one, and, and it's been such a success because we're grabbing those kids before they get into middle school before they get into high school. I mean, let's be honest, right? Middle school and high school, man, they were tough, right? They were tough. You didn't know what your next day was going to be like. You didn't know if your friends were still going to be your friends, if they were going to be your enemies. You didn't know. So now we're creating these safe places. Middle school is 7th and 8th grade. High school, 9th through 12th. These programs are designed for the kids to come. Have what we believe as Christians underlined Reach out to the community. Middle school and high school Bible study, Monday night, 7 p.m. at the church. They um, break up into small groups, girls and guys, deal with some of the issues and things that these kids are dealing with. It's underlying. It's, it's helping to underline what we believe as Christian parents and grandparents. And then here's some uh, you know, other events, too. We do an all-nighter, which... That's always crazy. But uh, that's to reach out to, to kids. Middle school and high school winter retreat. These are things that, you know, and there's a link on our website, has all these things. If you have a teenage grandkid or niece or nephew, push them this way. Encourage them, you know, to come out. Have a friend, invite them, tell them to bring a friend. It's, it's so helpful. Because these programs and these events, we have staff and volunteers that are underlining what all of you parents should be doing at home, teaching your children, modeling good works, and listening to them so they're prepared to engage with the culture and not only accept the truth, but tell others and be a messenger of the truth about Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. <coughs> we're thankful, Lord, that you gave us the privilege to impact the next generation. Whether the people in this room are grandparents, aunts, uncles, parents, people, younger people waiting to eventually parent someday. Lord, we have a responsibility in our households and we have a, a responsibility for the church wide to impact the next generation. We want people to know who you are and what you've done. Not because we're building something for ourselves, but because we know that your kingdom will come. We know that they need to trust the truth. We know that they need salvation for their souls. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please rise. <clears throat>
It's our shameless plug for name tag Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>